Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We have another fantastic show lined up for tonight with Lloyd DeYoung, part uh, Lloyd, this would be Lloyd's 12th show with us tonight. And goodness, the audio did not mute, and I thought I had it muted, and apparently not. My bad, that was me. Okay, well, I think we, you know, and I had muted another video, and it still uh, was going live. We are on the backup channel tonight. It's a hot topic. Uh, We wanted to be able to give people the chance to uh, use the Super Chat and things like that to post up questions, anything they want, want to post up. Uh, so we haven't used the backup channel for a couple of months. Figured we'd do that tonight. So welcome everybody who's already here. Hopefully we'll get a lot more people showing up here in the next few minutes. I did post a video on the uh, other channel that it would be here tonight. Lloyd, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, let's see, you've uh, been working on a document for several months on the Muslim Brotherhood in America. And I've read uh, several versions of it. I appreciate you sending me that. We're going to be covering the Muslim Brotherhood, what they're about, their their creators, their size, etc., cetera, uh, how much influence and impact they have in the West. Most people don't think that Islam poses any threat in the West whatsoever. They uh, keep all focus and attention on the Jews and, and actually... Uh, focus on Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood just simply really isn't allowed. And it's uh, astonishing to see how ignorant people are of the teachings and beliefs and, in fact, the uh, uh, influence that Islam has on the West. Would you agree with that? Um, th- that's deliberate. One, you, you choose a different enemy to demonize so that you take the heat off yourself so you can operate without interference. Right, and then uh, you've you've got them uh, slipping in the back door everywhere, and everybody's looking the other direction at the scapegoat, saying it's them over there when, when the guy's standing behind you in your kitchen. So, uh, yeah. anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to be going through some of the content of your uh, Muslim Brotherhood article tonight, as well as uh, just kind of uh, covering the general topic. So, uh, why don't we start off? How did you begin investigating the Muslim Brotherhood? I felt that they, amongst other things, there had to be a central source that, because I saw a similarity within the messaging within the, within the online community, YouTube, Facebook, uh, when I was engaging in my online discussions and debates with various people and on various issues and topics, there was a similarity of messaging as if something was, as if this was all centrally arranged and also, I saw that messages would be within within less than 72 hours. I saw that a common message, almost verbatim, was spread around the entire world. So, on a couple of topics, once or twice, I I refuted extensively certain arguments that Islamic apologists were using. Within a very short order, I discovered that these a rebuttal to that, not a very good one, but but a reply, a standardized reply, had been distributed worldwide in multiple different countries because I was spending time deliberately kicking the hornet's nest, as it were, going to various sites to try to find how these people operate, what they say, what's their story, what's their narrative. And so there's definitely central coordination, but also um, 
I learned about them probably accidentally that, that there was an organization that was intent on imposing Islam with its Sharia, which is a global religion as well as a global government all over the world. They were, they were intending to impose it. I'm not sure exactly where I found out about them, but I was feeling the effect of a centralized organization and they seemed to best fit the bill. And I also started learning that Islam has what's called, you have the Ummah, which is the Islamic community, but you also have the Ulama, which is the learned ones, which is in essence, the central governing body of Islam. Who exactly precisely they are, we, no one knows, it's a, it's a secret. But obviously, Al-Azhar University would feature heavily in that, and they are Egyptian, and the Muslim Brotherhood are Egyptian in origin. Another thing that we began to notice during our uh, the two series previously, the 11 shows that we had done together, was that the neo-Nazis and Islamists were using the exact same talking points. And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was absolutely verbatim. And when we refuted one, the whole network of shills would stop using that point and then shift to one of these Next new point. points. And but and they would go through a whole laundry list. Boom, 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 boom. And, yeah. And uh, none, you know, as we began to go through all of these, almost none of them were true. I. Uh, had started going through the Talmud. I'm still working on finishing up the document. It grew much larger than I had originally planned. It's now 100 pages. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so as I was going through it, I've checked about 70 of them, and then I found uh, more that I may go through and add. It, it just kind of gets redundant, though. But uh, out of the 70 that I verified, one was correct. So we're talking about like a 1.3 or 1.4% accuracy of all of these quotes, you know, so, you know, well, the quote may be accurate, but was the context correct? Were, were they, were they interpreting it correctly? They might've quoted it correctly. Well, what, what I had found was that one third of the quotes were entirely made up and that the other two thirds were uh, drastically taken out of context. And, you know, and then what they would do is, oh, there's a, you know, Talmud that's kept, you know, 40 floors b below street level. It's yeah. only brought out on the full well, moon and, you know, in, in June and this kind of stuff. And, you know, you have to yeah. be a, a Jew, a part, you know, and they had no evidence of this secret Talmud. Something that I noticed is they always say, well, Talmud Tosafot, Jeroboam Ladder 37C, it says Jews can steal your wallet and it's fine. And I would always notice they never actually quoted the actual Talmud. They never actually quoted the Talmud. So I started asking in the comments online, quote me the actual paragraph because the Talmud is not divided into short five word sentences. It's actually paragraphs of debate and discussion. And, and, and legalese. Yeah. And only on one occasion did someone actually quote a full three or four sentences. And of course, I mean, again, out of context and try to lie about it, but what I've noticed, they don't quote the entire thing. They don't, because if you've read the Talmud, if you know the Talmud, you'll know that that thing would be a par would be 40 to 50 paragraphs and one paragraph is going to be 10 or 12 sentences. Why don't you quote the entire paragraph surrounding that, those five words you've paraphrased? And, and what you have in the Talmud, what it is, is it's a series of law books and the rabbis back then, just like imams today, would decide the law. 
And so they would have debates between each other over topics. So one rabbi would say, you know, something negative, which, of course, you know, would be the one line that all of the neo-Nazis, Islamists, yeah. et cetera, quote. And then you have 10, yeah, that might be- 10 pages of discussion about how that statement is not true. So they only quote the one line, but they omit the 10 pages of how it's not true. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so so yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about the Muslim Brotherhood. So this is a, what's fascinating is that this is the world's largest secret society. It is the largest secret organization on earth. Now, their spiritual leader, their, their previous spiritual leader would have a radio show once a week and he would have 60 million listeners. Now, the group is estimated by many to have about 100 million members and adherents, right? 100 million adherents. Now, this is, <laughs> this is something like nine times larger than the population of Jews on the planet. Right, exactly. But, you know, the 1.8 billion Muslims and 100 million members of the Muslim Brotherhood is not as a as big a threat as 16 million Jews were told to believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a few there's a few things. So what's interesting is as I'm tracking what's happening online and what people are saying, obviously this provides opportunities to go and research the nonsense these people are saying. Some very intelligent, very clever sounding arguments. Some very clever sounding arguments. Very false, but but give us some time in the near future. We will we will start. Again, once again, just, just like we demolished the lies about Talmud, we will start demolishing the lies that these idiots have been talking, saying for decades, um, simply based on facts, primary sources. And we'll reveal just what idiots these people are. But let's, um, let's get started because sure. the Muslim Brotherhood is a very serious problem, very serious organization, highly funded, highly organized, incredibly disciplined, very effective. So they need to be treated with some degree of respect um, as, a, as a credible threat. So um, obviously a lot of this assumes some knowledge of what we've done in terms of Islam before, and we will, we will go back and forth. I won't read every single word in the document, but we will want to touch on ideological warfare and their attempts to overthrow the American government, infiltrate and overthrow and their ideological warfare in American culture. Europe, the same comes for Europe. So Truth version, Hassan al-Banna is the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, also known as the Ikhwan. And he was, so he founded the organization in 1928, and he summarized their universal mission as follows. He says, our task is to stand against the flood of modernist civilization, overflowing from the swamp of materialistic and sinful desires, essentially from the West. So he wants to go back to the early days of Muhammad, right? He's a Salafi, he wants to go back to the religion of the founder, the way Muhammad and his, his faithful companions practiced Islam, which was the most barbaric time in its history. Which was right. drinking camel urine, beating wives, killing slaves, etc. All of the above. So this flood has swept Muslim nations away from the prophet's leadership and Quranic guidance and deprived the world of its guiding light. This would be Islam. Western secularism moved into a Muslim world already estranged from its Quranic roots, right? And he says, and we will drive this from our lands. And not only that, we will not stop at this point. We will pursue this 
evil force, which is Western culture and civilization, into its own land, invade its Western heartland, and struggle to overcome it until all the world shouts the name of the Prophet and the teachings of Islam spread throughout the world. Only then will Muslims achieve their fundamental goal, and there will be no more persecution, quote-unquote, and all religion will be exclusively for Allah. They are deeply intent on creating a one-world religion and a one-world government under Islam. So now, they are essentially what we could call an incubator, the template for all modern jihad terror organizations. In fact, they're responsible for the majority of Sunni terror groups in the world. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hassan al-Banna, called the group Allah's Battalion. In other words, a military battalion. He then also went on to create what he called their special apparatus or secret apparatus, which is the armed wing. Interestingly, so this was formed in 1935. Now, some would say that they're, a, and I've been told this, that they're a nonviolent organization. Well, that is absolutely not true. Um, I'm not going to go into some of the specific history, but they've been involved in numerous assassinations and so on, and killings and uprisings, and also funding and creating other, other groups. We'll get into, we'll touch, in, we'll touch on some of that. But also the armed wing of the Muslim Brotherhood was formed in conjunction with the help of a man called Hajj Amin al-Husseini. Hajj Amin al-Husseini was the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem. He was the Jew-hating Grand Mufti of Jerusalem who also voluntarily joined the Nazis and was promoted to general in the SS. And uh, wasn't and, that the Waffen-SS 13th Hanjar Division? Correct, 13th Mountain Division, correct. Right, and that was also, uh, the Bosnian Division that slaughtered tens of thousands of Serbs, actually. And he joined, actually, let me get some, let me actually get some notes here so people can actually see this. Sure. Uh, so, so, mind if I share my screen and I can Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, I'm just going to move this over and I'm going to share this. So Hajj Amin al-Husseini became a general in the SS. He then also started to form the largest SS division, which had almost 30,000 soldiers. So they were the, the, the largest Islamic, sorry, the largest division in the SS was the Islamic division. And by all accounts, he raised the total, there were a total of 600,000 Muslims that were fighting on the side of the Nazis. And he joined the Nazis to fight the Jews, sorry, to kill Jews, to fight the British and the Americans. Those are his words. So, Do you want to uh, spread, make that full screen? Sure. I'm only seeing it in uh, half the screen there. There you go. Yeah, except then it, it moves over to the side like that, which is a bit weird, you know. Okay. But okay, so this is Hajj Amin al-Husseini, the Grand Mufti of Jerusalem, or Palestine at the time, as it was called then, British Palestine with Hitler. This is him inspecting and saluting with the Nazi salute his troops. Notice the fezzes. These are the troops that he raised. Wait, doesn't he, what doesn't their uh, hat look a lot like the Shriners in that last photo? Does we'll get into that. God bless Hitler. Now this is a very common sentiment, and we will discuss a bit more about that in a moment. This is one of their symbols. This is the Islamic scimitar with the Nazi symbol. This is the fez, which, as you said, it exactly looks like the Nazi, sorry, the Shriner fez that we've discussed in the past. Look at the Nazi symbol. You'll see it here with the death's head. 
right? So here we have a close-up view of that. That's the Nazi eagle, Nazi symbol, and the death's head. And this is the fez that contains those. Here they are. Again, they're reading a book called Islam on Judentum, Islam and Judaism, right? This is an example of a Nazi soldier with the death's head and the symbol, and it's the same symbol on these fezes. So you can see a Nazi officer with that symbolism right there. There we go, that's another fez with an officer giving a salute. And here he is having a lovely lunch with various SS officers. So apparently this man is Yasser Arafat's uncle, who was the head of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, and apparently also an ex-KGB agent, um, meaning Yasser Arafat. Now, he also was responsible for a great deal of violence and um, also the, the killing of numerous Jews. This was he was very much against having them in move to move out of Europe and into into the um, well Israel. So, any questions or any comments on that so far? No, keep going on that. Um, yeah. So, what happened is that they franchised essentially that they created the template for the approach to terror. Now, the head of Al Qaeda, Ayman al Zawahiri, their spiritual leader, is a Muslim brother then bin Laden was a Muslim brother. And even al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, is a Muslim brother. So these are all offshoots of the Muslim Brotherhood. So the Muslim Brotherhood, while it may or may not directly engage in violence, it sponsors, creates, funds, trains, and guides other organizations that do engage in incredible amounts of violence. Now, so the Ikhwan Special Apparatus was found, founded with Hajjamin al-Husseini, right, the Nazi Mufti. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood used to glorify Hitler, and they had a newspaper called Al-Nazir, and it used to write articles with rumors and claims that Hitler had converted to Islam since he was implementing Islamic policies. In other words, the murder of the Jews, which is part of the Islamic doctrine, was something that they felt was Hitler was implementing this. And they used to chant, Allah is alive, Allah is alive, Haji Muhammad Hitler is coming. And just to interject there, in my show with Todd recently on the Thule Society's influence on the uh, Nazi party and uh, Baron von Savatendorf, it appears that there is a direct connection there. Are you aware of the claim that uh, Prince Charles of England also converted to uh, Islam? Look, there's lots of rumors. I Unless we have more solid proof, it's very hard to say. Unless we have circumstantial evidence that's you know extensive, I, I've heard rumors, but I I, I can't give any credence because I don't there's no, I don't think there's enough evidence. You know, there there are definitely some uh, interesting photos of him in uh, some Islamic garb for for certain. Agreed. I mean, there's there's look, there's lots of lots of interesting things, tidbits and facts, but. We, we don't know, we can't, it's really difficult to act on um, on, on that. Agreed. With that degree of, you know, that lack of information. So yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that, but it's not something I can credit right now. Now, there's a great deal of, these people exert. Now, I need to mention, there, there was a previous organization that everyone knows is the Soviet Union, right? With their communist international propaganda, they wanted to take over the world and impose communism across the entire world, right? And they had their manifesto, as does the Muslim Brotherhood have their manifesto. Now, it is known that the Muslim Brotherhood right, is heavily funded by Saudi, by Qatar, and other governments. Now, Saudi Arabia alone 
spends three times the annual budget on promoting Islam, on essentially indoctrinating and infiltrating, subverting, funding, bribing, whatever you want to call it, various organizations around the world from, on, they, they spend it on political lobbying, they spend it in universities, they spend it on think tanks um, to become Islam friendly. They spend three times the money that the Soviet Union spent at the height of their power. So if the Soviet Union, and you see now, if you look at the American political stage right now, the, pres the democratic presidential debates, communism was openly being discussed by every presidential candidate. Open socialism discussed by presidential candidates in America. So clearly there's been some kind of effect with all of the funding, all of the infiltration that the communists have done that, that, that's having a visible effect. Now, if the Saudis are spending three times more than the Soviets did, what effect are they having? And it's, it's not unusual. It has, it's been well known that there's, you have the green-red alliance, the green-red axis. So you've got the Muslims and the communists working together. This happened in Iran, for instance, where they worked together to seize power, and then the Muslims killed the communists. Right? So what you do have, for instance, you've got Muslim Brotherhood members are known to lobby Congress. They have a Muslim Advocacy Day in May. Right. This started in 2015. It was organized by CARE. Now, now CARE, you, just to interject here, you're still showing the uh, the Nazi photos oh, there. Is that intentional? Uh, no, let me close that. So we do I, yeah, let me just stop sharing again. Okay, sure. Here we go. Thanks. And okay. uh, also, thank you, Erin, for posting up a $100 donation just now. She says, uh, thank you so much for your work, Jan and Lloyd. It, it's uh, very much appreciated. No, I appreciate the, um, the thanks. Um, yeah, well, look, we do this. It's very, I think it's critical that people know. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood is very much still a work in progress. People are trying to figure out what they're doing. But, but I will let you know that that work is ongoing. People are starting to unravel their secrets, right? So now, CARE started this major lobbying program in the U.S. with the government in May 2015, right? CARE is the Council on American Islamic Relations, right? They are a, an affiliate of Hamas. Hamas is a known terror organization, and they, of course, are based in what we call Palestine. Now, Hamas is the Palestinian wing of the Muslim Brotherhood, and CARE is a member of Hamas or part of Hamas. So they are all Muslim Brotherhood. And people like Linda Sarsour, Rashida Talib, Ilan Omar and various others are also associated and affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood. So, and this is important, we'll get to that in a while. So any comments or questions? No, let's just keep plugging through. We got a lot to cover today. Okay, so let me, so perhaps I should share the, the screen again and then work through the other document. So I'll put the document on screen, the one that uh, we are, um, going to be going through. I will share that the main screen. Okay, is that up? Uh, yes, it is now. Okay, so brief overview of the Muslim Brotherhood. So the Muslim Brotherhood, okay. Um, <clears throat> so in 1991, a, a transport policeman, I'll get into the details, we'll get to that, but just to give a brief overview, discovered a woman on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, filming the struts of the bridge, found this was suspicious, 
haul it in. And this eventually led to the largest terror funding trial in US history. The, the people that were discovered um, filming the struts of the bridge fled the country. I believe he went to Qatar. We'll get into all those details. But what they found was a secret basement in his house. And this basement happened to hold a 80 boxes of archive documents. This happened to be the secret archive of the Muslim Brotherhood in America. These documents have been presented at trial. They were discovered by the FBI, were presented at trial, and they have never been contested. They've been taken, even the defendants never contested the accuracy and authenticity of these documents. So I call this, do not let your enemy know he's your enemy. We have a saying, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, etc. But there's a very, there's this saying in Islam, do not let your enemy know he's your enemy. Like use them until you no longer need them. Now, in October 2010, the Muslim Brotherhood Supreme Guide, Muhammad Badi, that's the new leader, declared war in America. This was a call for political jihad, like the communist revolution, because Islam, as we know, is a political system and a military system, as well as a very small portion of it being religious. A very tiny portion of it is dedicated to what we would think of going to paradise, going to heaven. <laughs> Now, the deputy described the mission of the Muslim Brotherhood as our main and overall mission is the subjugation of people to Allah on the earth. So they have to establish the rise of the Ummah and all civilization on the base of Islam and subjugate all people to Allah on the earth. So now they want to target conservative groups, the political right, social media organizations. They actually, there's a Muslim, sorry, there's, yeah, there's a Saudi prince who owns more Twitter stock than does Jack Dorsey. He has a controlling share within Twitter, right? Of course, you've got these trust and safety councils and YouTube, Facebook, and all these other um, social media groups as well. Why, why um, do you suppose that uh, Jack Dorsey didn't disclose that on the Joe Rogan show? <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. Okay, so obviously they infiltrate churches and religious organizations. It's, uh, you have these interfaith dialogues which are incredibly fraudulent. Um, and they also infiltrate intelligence and law agencies. They try to undermine them, try to infiltrate them, provide the wrong information so that they have the wrong idea of what's going on. So their threat doctrine is just the Sharia. Everything is aligned with the Sharia. They will also utilize, obviously, successful communist propaganda techniques, um, simply because those have been proven to work, and they'll use those to destabilize countries and that, so that they can then ultimately impose, and they'll work alongside the communists until they can impose their agenda. Right now, as we know, Sharia, as we've discussed in our previous episodes, is totalitarian and it's antithetical to the West. So the Muslim Brotherhood is the number one group propagating Sharia in the West. They're not the only one, but they are certainly the biggest, best funded. They're the, they're the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And it's very closely related to or similar to communism. So it's it becomes sort of a theological system that uh, that communism can overlay on top of itself. Yeah, I recently posted a, um, a video with um, Putin saying that communism was a, a religion that was created by the communists with Lenin as its leader, as its god. Wow. Uh, very interesting discussion. I can actually give you a link to that. Um, so anyway, so remember, Islam is defies Western constitutional law, for instance, 
religious tolerance. If you look at Quran 385, anyone desires a religion other than Islam, never will it be accepted of them, right? There's no such thing as freedom of speech, equality between sexes. And of course, the Muslim and the Kafir, I mean, people go on about the Goy, which means nations. It's a biblical term. It even refers to the Jews as well as non-Jews. God, in Genesis 12, 2, God calls the Jews Goy. The Kafir, though, is a highly derogatory term. Essentially, it refers to us as beasts, as not human, subhumans. And I've heard that from the Nazis. That's what the Kafir means. It's a completely different um, level of, of negativity as opposed to the supposed negativity, negativity of the word Goy. Now, Sharia is unalterable. Okay, and the differences that we see within Islamic governments now the Muslim Brotherhood claims that there is no single pure Sharia government or Islamic government on the planet, and they are working to establish one. They they seek to control political control in Egypt, and they were thrown out a year later because people revolted at the at the way that they were running the government, the the dictatorial way they were running the government, destroying the economy and just ruining people's lives. Um, and when they were when they were thrown out of Egypt effectively and declared a, a terrorist organization by various governments in the region, they decided to hit the soft targets, which is Europe and America. So they've stepped up their operations in our part of the world. So now the difference that we see across Islamic governments is simply the varying levels of Sharia enforcement, right? Notice that you've seen Libya, right? Becoming extremely Sharia compliant. Now you could open air slave markets. Syria, right? The more Islam, the more violence. Malaysia is becoming a lot more solipsist. Nigeria becoming a lot more violent. And Br Brunei recently. Yeah, know, we discussed Brunei recently and their passing of uh, homosexual laws, et cetera, that they, there was such an international uproar, they had to repeal them. Yep, they were going to stone women to death for adultery, stone men to death for adultery, stone people to death for being gay, stone people to death for apostasy, for leaving the religion. Yes. So this is becoming widespread. This is being pushed. So now, and this is all very much due to the Muslim Brotherhood's influence. Now, their first organization was a thing called the Muslim Students Association. There were 29 organizations in 1991 that were Muslim Brotherhood fronts. Today, there's probably 500. Right. Um, no one knows exactly, but it was 29 three decades ago. It's a great deal more today. Right now, the most they are the most influential entity within political Islam. Right now, aren't, to... aren't the uh, Muslims just you know uh, poor, uneducated brown people without the financial backing to really be a threat? Isn't that the narrative that we hear out there? Well, I mean, as we know, um, if you're a very, very powerful, oil-rich country, that makes you extremely poor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to be poor because you get all of the money from all of the countries, all of the industrial nations who need your oil. So that would make you extremely poor. That makes sense. And uh, means you don't have money. It means that you don't have these super rich princes from Saudi Arabia that. Yeah. And, 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 not, and not only that, they wouldn't go to our universities and, you know, Harvard, Yale. They wouldn't go to Oxford, et cetera, to get training and learn exactly yeah. the things that we teach our people either. Yeah, I think eight out of the ten major super yachts in the world are owned by by, by Arab Muslims. Um, I need to check those numbers, but I think seven or eight of the of the top super yachts in the world. Um, I did. We did discuss it once. I did show you those figures once. And then you have these private jets. You've got lavish lifestyles. These are very very wealthy people. Think about it. how do they afford to to pay more money? How does Saudi Saudi Arabia alone 
spends three times the budget the entire Soviet Union did on propaganda. Right. And we also exposed several episodes ago about how they use uh, Palestine to tug on the liberal uh, humanitarian thing uh, to push their entire agenda so that so that the liberals hate their own country and then they believe that the Palestinians yeah, we'll are poor. We'll okay, great. Yeah. So Obama said it is the nature of Islam to dominate, not to be dominated, to impose its law on all nations and to extend its power to the entire planet. So the spiritual leader of the Muslim Brotherhood until November 2018 was Yusuf al-Haradawi. And he stated the objective is the establishment of an Islamic state under Sharia in Egypt, in all Muslim states and in all states in the world. This is a prelude to the re-establishment of a worldwide Islamic caliphate, which will dominate the whole globe. And as you know, Islam is Jewish, Saudi Arabia is Jewish, Yusuf al-Khardawi is Jewish. Yeah, everything is the Jews and is the Islamists are incapable of doing anything themselves. Everything is, you know, they were, they were taken and over by have, the Jews, right? That's the official narrative. So, and of course, the Quran is a Jewish book. And, yeah, whatever. Um, so, obviously, yeah. folks who didn't catch that, uh, Lloyd was being snarky and uh, facetious. I was being so. yes. For the record, I was being incredibly sarcastic. Okay. And um, as the nice liberals will tell us, these brown people aren't able to do anything for themselves. Yeah, 1.8 billion brown people are just completely incompetent and incapable. I I hear that almost every single day, Lloyd. I know. So anyway, so these people are, these are Salafists. They're they're patient, they're ruthless, right? So um, now President Sisi of Egypt has requested President Trump to declare them a terror organization, right? Right. And... Well, these are the identifiers. Notice the peaceful organization has two swords. This is the new identifier on the right here. Again, two crossed swords. Well, is don't, it, don't, don't the two crossed swords don't they really symbolize the wings of the dove? They do. I was they do. I was thinking, yeah. Why, why can they use a pillow filled with dove feathers? That right. Yeah. 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 Sure. Of course. <laughs> so anyway, so this is their motto: Allah is our objective. The Prophet is our leader. The Quran is our law. Jihad is our way. Dying in the way of Allah is our highest hope. To die in the way of Allah is their highest hope. So, yeah. So anyway. You know, and I I had noticed uh, yesterday you had found another article that substantiated the whole idea that uh, uh, I had figured out with Todd uh, back in, I think, what, March, that uh, Islam worships will versus Christianity worshiping Logos or truth. Yeah. So the Muslim Brotherhood has devoted the larger part of its involvement in public life to providing social services programs to the poor neighborhoods, including free clinics, food banks, academic and logistics support to poor college students. Sure, they did this in Egypt as well. They're doing it now in Jordan. They're doing this all over the world. But once they seized power, they became hardline radicals the way the government of Iran has become. And they were kicked out within a year. Okay, so the logo has two swords, not an olive branch. Now, now you tell me, this guy's talking here about community service. So death in jihad is a form of community service? Whereas Christians do good for their fellow man, they are about committing murder as community service. Okay, so moving on. So as we know, jihad is defined in Sharia as fighting 
against non-Muslims to establish Islam, right? We've, we've, pardon me, we've discussed this at length in the past. Fighting is prescribed for you. Slay them wherever you find them. This is from the Sharia. And this is from the Umdat al-Salik, or the Reliance of the Traveler, the most common, the most quoted, bought, sold, owned, and most available Sharia manual on the planet, right? So, so now they call their, the plan that they are using, which is a version by stealth, they call civilization jihad, right? Now the methodology that they're using is predicated on a very sophisticated guerrilla warfare technology or idea, concept created by Chairman Mao. And this is called the people's war. So they've leveraged an existing strategy which allows them to recruit largely socialist dupes, right? Who have a common anti-Western, anti-Christian goal. Now, the people's war involves moral propaganda. So it has a theme of victimization, fighting against the oppressor. You are the oppressed. And it is blended with these heroic, uplifting sentiments of victory and moral righteousness. Think Antifa, right? Except it is combined with calculated tactical acts of savage violence. This is to sap the enemy, enemy morale, make them feel subdued as per Quran 929, and boost the, the feeling of the resistance, boost the morale of the resistance through shows of strength. So it's brutal violence coupled with a morality that talks about, an ethic that talks about, we're the oppressed and we're fighting against the oppressor, we're doing righteous violence. Right. So don't forget, it says in Quran 929, fight those who believe not in Allah nor the last day, right? which would be non-Muslims. Now, what they've done is they've managed to co-opt a lot of the, the revolutionaries because the communists are also, the socialists are also revolutionaries. They managed to co-opt them and utilize them for their own purposes. So these are unwitting dupes. Now, since Muhammad Badi took the helm of the Iqwan in 2010, that's the Muslim Brotherhood, it spread to apparently 100 countries, largely covertly. Now, we've been able to track 60, maybe 80 countries, but different reports provide different numbers, okay? And they believe that they're close to success. Now, there was an apparent ideological split between Al-Qaeda and the Iqwan. However, don't forget, the, the Iqwan has a five-stage plan, and Al-Qaeda has a seven-stage plan. 9-11 was the opening shot in their, in their plan to take over the U.S., and it's a 21-year plan. So both of these plans, both these organizations, their plans terminate in approximately 2021. Now, whether they now Al-Qaeda was seen to be on track up to stage five or stage six, right? Now they probably are finding little stumbling blocks, but they all intend to make this happen in the next few years, this actual coup. Now, supposedly there's an ideological split, maybe, maybe not, right? We we don't really know. But um there, there has been splits within, within Al-Qaeda where some people felt they weren't being violent enough. Hence you have ISIS. Now, so notice Muhammad Badi said in 2010, today the Muslims need to understand that the improvement and change that the Ummah seeks can only be attained through jihad and sacrifice and by raising a jihadi generation that pursues death just as the enemies pursue life. So many people claim that, you know, these people, these jihadis are a death cult. And this is where that quote comes from. But this is based on, on Islamic theology, but this is now where it's been verbalized by someone who is a religious leader. This guy, you know, just like al-Baghdadi has a PhD in Islamic studies, this man is a full imam. 
right? So now they want to prevent fitna, which is oppression or suppression of Islam. In other words, the denial of Islam and the refusal to submit is oppression, and this must be fought because we are fighting against Allah by resisting, by not becoming um, Muslims. And also the term Islamophobia is a term that they created. Right. Or if they didn't create it, at least they popularized it. Right. And then you hear, you know, the, the neo-Nazis love to spout that term, too. Oh, you're an Islamophobe. I, I've seen that term hundreds of times in, since January Correct. when we started the series. Correct. And, um, okay, so what we have is, so in August 2004, top brother operative Ismail Elbarasi and his wife were pulled over. A Maryland Transportation Authority cop observed her videotaping the structural supports of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, I wonder why. So it was established he was wanted in connection with Hamas fundraising activities. FBI search warrant of his home in DC, Washington DC discovered a hidden sub-basement and they found 80 boxes of materials. This led, so these documents became evidence in the Holy Land Foundation trial, the largest terrorism funding trial in the US, right? So they've given 12.4 million to Hamas, okay? And um, the point of the whole funding was that the Palestinian state would be created that would, and they would eliminate the state of Israel through violent jihad. Now, the document, the most illuminating of these documents was the 1991 strategic plan. And the document, the, strategic, the 1991 plan is called the Explanatory Memorandum of the General Strategic Goals of the Group of May 22nd, 1991. Now, what we'll do is I'll give you a link um, to my online resource that you can put in the in the description of the show so that people can download these documents that I'm referencing. Right. I'll give you a link for that. Do you, um, do you want to just post it there in the chat for people while we're going here or just send it after the show? Um, yeah, hold on. So let me, let me see where I can, I need to, I need to find the link to this. Let me just shift this over so I can just go and search for this. That's going to take me a moment to just, uh, Sure, I didn't mean to distract you there. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But let me let me tackle that um, at All a different right. point. When you just in discussion, I can just go and grab the link. So now, what is interesting? Here's so this was written by Muhammad Akram, a top Muslim Brotherhood operative in the states, and it contains the mission statement of the Muslim Brotherhood in the U.S. Right, and these are very concerning words. This their purpose is to destroy Western civilization from within by its own hands and the hands of the adherents. So. The process of settlement is a civilization jihadist process. What all the word means, the Ikhwan must understand their work in America is a grand jihad in eliminating and destroying the Western civilization from within, sabotaging its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers so that it is, so that it is eliminated and Allah's religion is made victorious over all other religions. If you can find me these words in the Jewish Talmud, please send them. But we definitely have this from Islam, okay, from a very powerful organization with 100 million members and adherents. Without this level of understanding, we are not up to this challenge and have not prepared ourselves for jihad yet. It is a Muslim's destiny to perform jihad and work wherever he is and wherever he lands until the final hour comes and there is no escape from that destiny, okay? So now someone's going to say, well, yeah, these are Salafi extremists. And like, and there's a hundred million of them. Right. Well, and not only that, people need to understand what a quote unquote good Islamist is, which is one who follows the laws of Islam. 
and yeah. and uh, you know forces the the kafir the non-believers to submit or kills them and uh, a bad islamist is one who does not follow the laws of the sharia the hadith the quran etc and gets along with christians etc so people need to understand that you know a, a so-called extremist muslim is one who actually follows what islam teaches it's you know it's not like you have a bad christian who you know lies and does bad things you know these people are the good islamists yeah agreed so so i'll get those links now so there's a there's an additional document called the phases of the world underground movement plan so this is a five-phase plan for the infiltration and an American coup. Now, the Muslim Brotherhood is recognized by themselves and by experts who analyze this as being in phase four of this plan since at least 2017, the start of 2017. Phase five is a violent coup. Now, these are, this is the actual, these are the quotes from the document itself with, what's, with their own self-assessment as to where they are. I'll read this. Phase one. The phase of discrete and secret establishment of elite leadership. This phase has already been implemented in this country. Phase two, the phase of gradual appearance on the public scene and exercising and utilizing various public activities. It greatly succeeded in implementing this. It also succeeded in achieving a great deal of its important goals, such as infiltrating various sectors of the government gaining religious institutions and embracing senior scholars, gaining public support and sympathy, and establishing a shadow government secret within the US government. That was phase two. This document's from 1991. Phase three, escalation phase, prior to conflict and confrontation with the rulers through utilizing mass media currently in progress right phase four now this i think would, would sort of be around the time of 9 11 right this would be where they because 9 11 notice that islam is a religion of peace and the whole idea of islam and pushing islam happened right after 9 11 because this was a coordinated blitz so you have the attack on the one hand as the starting gun and then along with that while everyone's demoralized and confused and angry then you have the the social media the news blitz happening and that's when they started pushing that. Phase four, open public confrontation with the government through exercising the political pressure approach. It is aggressively impl implementing the above mentioned approach. Say hello to Ilan Omar. Right? Yeah, for sure. Training on the use of weapons domestically and overseas in anticipation of zero hour. It has noticeable activities in this regard. Training on the use of weapons. Now, notice Linda Sarsour, her, her spiritual advisor and leader, her mentor, his son was caught at a, what's it, a Utah compound or a, um, remember there was the Islamic compound where they found the dead body, the starving children, the, where they were training these kids to be jihadis and to kill. Is that the one in Kentucky recently or which That's one? That's the one, yes, there were two. There were okay. two. Both of them managed by the son and by, of, of the spiritual leader of Linda Sarsour. And don't forget, there's the, um, I didn't add these in because these are things I need the time to research. We need to, I need to look deeper into this. But you've got Islamburg. And the leader there claims they've got about 20 or 22 facilities scattered around the, the US where they teach 
guerrilla tactics to jihadis. And there's probably a lot more than that, you know? Yeah, well, the ones we know about. So phase right. five, easing power to establish their Islamic nation under which all parties and Islamic groups are united. All the mentioned phases are preliminary steps to reach the above mentioned phase. So they've established their secret leadership. They've established a secret government. So if you're blaming the government for 9-11, maybe you're going to ask yourself which faction within the government. So this is a list of organizations that they used to have. The MSA is a well-known well one, the Muslim Students Association. They were established in 62, so they've been around for a long time. Um, and they are the breeding ground of a lot of these organizations. So these original 29 organizations from 1991, and it says, this is the list of our organizations and the organizations of our friends. So it's a distributed group, right? All under one banner. And these are 29 in 91, 29 groups. Today, as I said, there are hundreds, hundreds of you, them. I want to interject here, and we're going to cover this more in just a second, but uh, this guy in the chat, he's going by uh, Ron Pollard Die. He said, People are being trained to think in political correct legalese gobbledygook, quote unquote, tolerance. That is exactly spot on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, tolerance is simply cowardice or delusion, but it's the in unwillingness to speak up. It's the willingness to accept encroachment of your domain, right? Um, don't forget, there's a there's a quote in Islam. Actually, I will get this for you. There is. Let me just find this. There's a quote, Quran thirteen forty one, and it's meant literally because the Quran is supposed to be the literal words of Allah. Do they not see that we are advancing in the land, diminishing it by its borders on all sides? Right. Another version of the same verse. Have they not seen that we set upon the land, reducing it from its borders? They mean this literally. They are they are stealing everything they can and shrinking what you have left. Now, phase two is a gradual rollout of their stealth jihad, okay, infiltrating the government. And they've said they've achieved a lot of success. Phase three, conflict and confrontation. So, in other words, they're not nonviolent, they're merely that. The first phases of their plan are pre-violent, not non-violent, pre-violent. In phase four, they are going to engage with the government confrontationally. Ilan Omar, Rashida Talib, and others. There are numerous, numerous Islamic congressmen and congresswomen and so on with Christian names. Converts. Well, and then we have, you know, presidents like uh lyndon johnson etc who were uh, uh part of the shriners etc so they're they're crypto islamists they may well be i mean I, one would need to look at their their record in terms of the, what what they did you know you can look at a lot of what like do we know if if, Maha, if um, obama was muslim well i mean he grew up in a muslim family he's both both his father and his supposed father and his stepfather were, were muslims which makes him patrilineally makes him a Muslim. He went to um, he went to a mosque and he went to Islamic school until he was about twelve. And he said that the most beautiful sound in the world was the sound of the azan in the morning. So yeah, well, the, well, one could say there's a fair argument, but if one looks at his record of actions, he was extremely pro-Islamic. 
Right. right. Yeah, and there's videos out there saying, oh, well, he said he was a Christian, so therefore he wasn't practicing tachia. And uh, Hitler said he was a Christian too at one point. Right. It's called demagoguery. Right. You know, and, you know, another thing is that he was secretly in the middle of the night bringing in plane loads of, of Muslims and sticking them in middle America. I know. Well, think about this. One of those plane loads was 80,000 Somalis that they placed in a particular neighborhood who happened to then elect a woman you know as Ilan Omar. Right. J just sheer coincidence. Sheer coincidence. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're, coincidence. A, if you're a coincidence theorist, correct, which most liberals are. <laughs> so notice, Ibn Khaldun is the most renowned Islamic historian. He was a philosopher, historian, and father of sociology, considered the father of sociology. He wrote these words, holy wars, religious beauty. In the Muslim community, the holy war is a religious duty because of the universalism of the Muslim mission and the obligation to convert everybody to Islam, either by persuasion or by force. The other religions did not have a universal mission and holy war was not a religious duty for them, except for the purposes of defense. Islam is under obligation to gain power over other nations. That's in the Muqaddimah. Right. And, so, and what did we say the percentage was of Islamic texts that deal with the subjugation and murder of non-believers? Wasn't it like 60-some percent total? If you look at the surah, which is his biography, it's about 51, 67%. 67% is related to jihad. 51% of the surah is related to the subjugation of the Catholics. Right. So that's a right. huge portion. And 14% and is about the worship of Allah, correct? Of the major texts, yeah, only 14% is about Allah. The other 86% is about Muhammad, and only about 16% is about religion, what we would call religion, which is going to heaven. The other, the rest of it is all about essentially jihad and politics and military matters. And, and then, the uh, and just to uh, reiterate, we had also exposed that uh, Baphomet is a, another spelling of Muhammad. Muhammad, yeah. And I'll show um, that on that, screen here really quick. That's on Wikipedia, and that's on the... In the um, Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah, I'm going to show that uh, on the on screen here really quickly. Here, let me just pull that up. Yeah, so it's a form of the name Muhammad used by medieval writers. Okay, so there it is right there, directly tied to Muhammad. And, of course, Baphomet is the uh, androgynous goat god that the Satanists use. You know, And going back to what we said a bit ago, uh, Islamists worship will, whereas Christians worship logos or truth. And so we have, you know, like uh, Aleister Crowley, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. It's all about the worship of will, uh, which is Islam or, or, you know, Baphomet, Satanism. Excuse me. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, so Christianity is about God is truth. Jesus is on the way and the truth, right? Islam is about Absolutely, will. Absolutely, 100%. So, so those are vastly different. I actually have that link. So I can pop that. I can give you this link right now to the folder so people can go and start grabbing these documents and um let me just uh just grabbing the, the links just generating copy the link so where do i give you the link uh can you just post it in the chat and if it doesn't uh post it i'll i'll uh approve okay. it okay yeah, i'll just pop it in the chat now so there we go yeah, i just popped go. it yeah, it's already posted, so you're good. So that should give people access to various other documents that I'm referencing. 
and we'll reference. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through everything. I think it's too much. So notice, this is care. Let's, so now, now that I've, I've covered the meat of it, so in the rest of the time, let me, um, now I can skip around a little bit. Notice, this is care, okay? Build a wall of resistance. Don't talk to the FBI, right? And lawfare, one, one of their favorite tactics is what they call lawfare, creating as much disruption as possible. So in other words, if you are a Muslim and you drive a truck and your boss wants you to, to deliver alcohol, well, sue your company for a quarter million dollars and get away with it. You know, um, this is what happens. And this is, this is happening. Care is basically making this the case that, so that they make us Sharia compliant. Now, the Kafir must remain ignorant of the nature and the encroachment of Sharia and the threat that the Ikhwan represents. This is how they're going to implement this stuff behind the military term for this is information dominance, right? So if you don't understand the enemy's doctrine, how he thinks, what he's doing, and you accept these definitions of what things are, then you have the wrong picture in your head, right? You misperceive, you misunderstand, and you'll dismiss that. So look at these terms. It's religion of peace, ragged, towelhead, jockey, camel jockey. The religion was hijacked, people in caves, people with box cutters, nothing to do with Islam. These terms are designed to make you underestimate your enemy as intended. These terms are not organically grown. These terms were put out there specifically to deceive. Right. Now, they have infiltrated. Now, you know that they've been very heavily trying to infiltrate, obviously, the political right. Um, one major name that has come up numerous times that I've seen is a man called Grover Norquist, who's been an enabler of the Muslim Brotherhood. However, the reason that they're trying to infiltrate the political right is that they've already successfully infiltrated the political left. So, Democratic Party. Now, Sun Tzu, the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting, right? And if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles. But if you know yourself and not the enemy, then it's 50-50 possibility. Well, Every victory aim. Yes. And, and if you consider Hassani Sabah, he's basically who created the art of infiltration and assassination. So they would have, you know, these uh, sleeper spies lie dormant for 20, 30 years and rise up yep. and commit assassination. So this whole thing that we're going over tonight is essentially, at least in large part, based on the, the teachings of Hassani Sabah. Correct. Well, since it goes back at least 5,000 years, but certainly it's the same plans and they certainly have drawn upon this. So if you know the enemy, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you'll succumb in every battle. Now, these are some examples of this information dominance, or shall we call it message dominance? Let's say we decide, one example, we remove the words heart, attack, cardiac, arrest, and cholesterol from the English language. Let's say these words are heartophobic, okay, because hearts are gentle, Hearts would never do anything wrong. And uh, these are hateful and bigoted words. The word heart, the word attack, the word cardiac, the word arrest, and the word cholesterol. Okay. <laughs> so then suddenly what you have is when you try to tell the doctor what's wrong, you've got body extremism. I've got violent upper body extremism. I've got chest extremism. I have, I have chest pain extremism. You know, what, what's wrong? There's, there's, you've, got, you've got extremist things in your veins because you can't say cholesterol, okay? And then you'll have all chests are the same. They are extremists in all of them. Diet is nothing to do with thorax extremism. Extremism has no diet, okay? Hospitals that use the word hearts are racist and they are heartophobic. 
Hot profiling is racist. Hot textbooks can only be understood in Arabic. Then you'll start hearing this sort of nonsense, which we hear today. Okay, that medical diagnosis is out of context. Don't use the words heart attack, rather say body extremism. Understand, so these words become so vague, so useless, that you cannot specify, that you cannot identify the enemy, you cannot name the enemy. Think about it, what do, what's that Patrick Little and, um, and John Minadeo name the Jew, specifically name. However, we cannot name the Muslim you know, to, to utilize that terminology of this. Why is that? Because what you cannot describe, you cannot define. You can, if you cannot be specific, then you can only be general. It's like going to a, to a, to a general store and you can't buy anything specific. That, that's a joke, by the way, a small joke. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, point taken. It's a g great example. Okay, so the language gets twisted. The language gets it wrong. Okay, it loses the ability to describe. It loses precision. And who benefits? So now the American intelligence agencies have been overrun with this kind of nonsense. And they have accepted the enemy's definition of the enemy. So in the real world, the DHS ordered me to scrub records of Muslims to terrorize. This was Philip Haney. Okay, there's an original article. He quoted this in The Hill, the newspaper called The Hill on the 2nd May 2016. You can look that up online. Right. I was ordered by my superiors at the Department of Homeland Security to delete or modify several hundred records of individuals tied to designated Islamic terror groups like Hamas from the federal database. Right. It goes on. I won't finish that, but look that up. Philip Haney, The Hill, 2nd of May. So he wrote a book called See Something, Say Nothing. So now here's a couple of things. Demoralization warfare. So they're, so they're utilizing control of the language. Now, there are six areas that any people who want to ideologically confront and control the nation have to do, right? This is using Russian doctrine. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but you have to attack the social order. You have to attack the family structure. You have to attack religious observance. You have to attack law enforcement. Look at the issues now where you've got cops in New York having water poured on, disrespected, being pelted with fruit and vegetables. Look at your border, ICE, ICE is being attacked, okay? There's no respect for the law enforcement of the country. They're just following the law. Laws put in place by Barack Obama, right? So you've got a disrespect for the law. So they have to attack the legal system, the law system. They have to attack the family. They have to attack the church. And these are because the church is the arbiter of the morals within, within, within the Western nation, just as the, the mosque and the imam were the creators of the morals and the Quran were the creators of the morals in the Islamic world. Right. Yeah, so, most people don't even understand that the whole concept of, of freedom and freedom of speech, a free nation, all of this stuff comes from Christianity. You know, because correct. because they don't read the Bible themselves, they think it's old, foolish nonsense. Well, they they've been they propagandized to believe that. Right, and they don't grasp that you know that that is the foundation of everything that we consider free. So you know, people really need to sit down and read the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Yeah, someone just said all the beautiful ships and boats on the French Riviera are Muslim owned. Well, you know, if that's true, then yeah, they, they're very poor and living caves on boats. Yeah, with and box cutters, don't you know? Yeah, maybe there's a cave in the boat. Thank you for that. So, <laughs> so think about this. Now, they have to attack these, these underpinnings of society. However, there's, there are typically three methods that they will utilize. Ad nauseum. These are the three most common, most popular methods. And when you see them, Notice that this is a line of attack and it needs to be counterattacked. 
So the aim of the enemy is to inhibit critical analysis of the enemy, right? And they want to design arguments, mimetic arguments like memes that inspire shame, amnesia, and irrationality. So shame, you do not examine, nor do you defend what you are ashamed of. Lloyd, and you Islamophobe. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> Gotta get a badge. Amnesia. You cannot be inspired by or draw from what you forgot or do not know. And irrationality. Destroy logic and evidence with rhetoric, propaganda, and emotion. The response, I've been reading, doing extensive reading on propaganda warfare, and everyone goes, well, you know, 1941 and 1927, this, forget those books. They're old. They're old. Okay? Forget those books. If you want to read them and learn how vacuum tubes work, be my guest. But we're a little bit past that technology today. So the response is to identify and relentlessly expose each related talking point as a lie. It must be exposed. The truth simply because the, the ideology is fragile. It's actually quite fragile. It is, it is very fragile to the truth. It's like having a bucket of milk, white, white milk, and you, someone, you, just, you just put a single drop of black ink in that milk. You cannot not see that black dot. And that's what the truth is to this. It cannot be unseen. It destroys the spell. It breaks the ideology. It just breaks the, the hole it has in people's brains. It causes them a lot of pain. It's like sunlight to a vampire. So <laughs> they will shame you because, so the Crusades, that being, and we've discussed this at length, what a lie that is. How the Crusades were response to nearly 500 years of assault where two-thirds of Christendom was, was overrun by Muslims. Right, and, and they did more than 500 attacks into Europe before we had did a dozen into uh, yeah, Islam. Exactly. So they will shame you. So the moment you feel shame, realize you're being lied to. Right. Right, the moment you feel shame, the moment they're trying to shame you, think about this. That's a lie. And if you just spend five minutes on Google, you'll figure out these people are lying to you, and you can turn that argument around. But it's Lloyd, not, don't you know that you're a you know Mossad agent and all that stuff because uh, you're not. I'm a jihadi, Jesuit, Jewish, African, Nogger, um, Mossad agent, Mossad CIA, FBI agent. And and, and they've called you monkey and everything else in all of this. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So so yeah, I'm all of the above. I'm a Catholic as well. So um, okay, amnesia. Think about it. Genocide is, when people think of genocide, they think of killing, but that's actually the very final stage of like five or six stages, right? Genocide is actually gradual. The first stage is demonization and, you know, blaming people for everything. Jews cause potholes. Jews yeah. cause toothache. Yeah, well, okay. they, they do cause toothaches, didn't you know? And, yeah. you know, they, they produce the first, they've produced the first candy, so. Right, yeah, Jews cause train delays. Jews make it rain on your wedding. You know, so there's, there's this, right? Um, so it's demonization, which leads ultimately to physical action, right? Physical violence. Poe right? shooting, for instance. So, Correct. And this is and this is exactly why it's happening, because some nutcase is going to act on that. He's going to feel justified. So the demonization leads to what they feel is justified attack. Okay. Which is so a, again, absolute, a, it's an absolute right? distraction on top of that. It's to get them to look at the wrong target. Correct. Right. So many things. And also, but so, and then they start removing cultural symbols. They start defacing your church. They start defacing your synagogue. They start tearing down your cross. They start breaking the statues. They start removing your statue. They start changing your street names. 
your street name goes from George Washington Street to Muhammad Jihad Street. Right? These things, start, they started removing these identifiers and placing their own. So genocide, if you look at the actual definition of genocide, it's actually the removal of the identity of a culture, the erasure of a culture, not killing, erasure. Technically, the guy who created the word genocide actually, actually regretted these definition at the end. Um, and he's, he's rewritten it, actually. So the killing of a culture, he has renamed democide. Interesting. Right. So, so now they will start to remove things like books, like words. You cannot say Islam. You can't say Sharia. You can't say this. You Islamophobe. That's shaming. Right. Taking words away. And they've taken, if you look at the shrinking, actually, hold on. We need to have a look at this. Um, Let's, let's have a quick look here. When words disappear, a non-lexicon of terror. This is after the 9-11 commission report. The term violent extremism appeared three times. The word enemy, 39. The word jihad, 126. Right, Islam, sorry, Islam appeared 322 times. The Muslim Brotherhood, five. The word religious appeared 65 times. So let's now go to the FBI counterterrorism lexicon four years later. After CARE, the Muslim Brotherhood affiliate of Hamas, was very actively doing their outreach program to the American intelligence agencies. Okay. Al-Qaeda appeared 36 times, Hezbollah twice, Hamas four, Sharia twice, Caliph seven. The term violent extremism in two thousand four years later, in 2008, violent extremism appeared 29 times, and the word religious appeared three times, and every other word there appeared zero. And we can go here. In 2009, National Intelligence Strategy document, violent extremism appeared nine. The word enemy, zero. Jihad, zero. Muslim, zero. Islam, zero. Muslim Brotherhood, zero. Religious, one. Hamas, zero. Hezbollah, zero. Al-Qaeda, one. Caliph, zero. Sharia, zero. Violent extremism in 2010 after Fort Hood. Violent extremism, zero. Enemy, zero. Jihad, zero. Muslim, zero. Islam, zero. The word religious did appear 59 times. Every other word, zero. These words have been removed from the American law enforcement lexicon. So if you don't have a name for it, it doesn't exist. So now notice though, a small point to make, slander in Islamic Sharia, which appears in uh, section G 2.5. If you notice something bad about a Muslim, it is unlawful to mention it as this is slander. Slander in the West is when you say something untrue about someone. Right. But if you notice something bad, it is unlawful to mention it as this is slander. So in Islam, if you say something that is correct and true, but it brings embarrassment, that is slander. So gibba means to mention anything concerning a person that he would dislike. The determining factor is mentioning about a person what he would not like said. That is, um, keep that in mind. So we are now being demified, or at least the law enforcement agents have been demified. They're, they're operating under Sharia. Okay. So moving forward. So we need, so now if you have amnesia, you are disoriented. You are unable to orient upon events because you cannot describe meaning to those events. You cannot recognize friends and you cannot recognize foes. You cannot identify or respond to threats because you don't know what's what. You have no social cues to respond to 
and you have no memory to draw from. You are then very, very vulnerable and you have a complete lack of awareness. And so they have removed the enemy image. You have a critical denial of the enemy image. They've achieved information dominance. The way to fight that, because they are, so you have totalitarianism and you have totalism. Totalism is fragile. These are totalists. You be that little drop of ink in that black, that, that little black drop of ink in that bucket of milk, and they cannot not see that little drop of black ink. Interesting. Anything from you? Uh, no, I, you know, we're, we only have a little bit of time left, so we should just keep cranking through this. I mean, it's very, obviously I've read this document four or five times now, but it's still a highly enlightening information, you know, and, and lots of people in the audience haven't seen this information before. What I see in the audience is a lot of people waking up to, uh, how deep the infiltration and, uh, the level of uh, deception is within Islam with the Takia and all of that. I mean, all yep. of this is essentially Takia. Yep. Let me, so let me, as we start winding down, um, so diverting frustration and hatred to a new target, blame the Jews. The most powerful strategy of demoralization is a diversion. Okay. So you undermine the active hatred of the enemy because you cannot identify the enemy. You can't use the word Islam and Muslim and you, you can't talk about the Sharia. So because that enemy becomes vague and fuzzy and unavailable, you find another enemy and they'll give you one, right? So you will then find a new object because the present antagonist sees it to matter because you have no words for it. You have no concept of it. And they'll direct that. So there are two things. You will direct it onto yourself. That, that, that stress, that frustration will direct onto yourself. And two, you'll direct it onto something else. And in this case, we are being... Um, instructed to, and, and lots of people are complying with this with, with incredible enthusiasm is directing it onto the Jews. Now, another thing that you must realize is that when things are happening, when things are going wrong in your neighborhood, right? When things are going wrong in your country, the first thing, obviously, you feel frustration. The problem is that when you have no outlet for that frustration, that frustration affects you personally. You start to feel demoralized. You start to feel depression. But there's a psych there's certain there's a there's a specific set of predictable psychological outcomes of this you will start to feel isolated you start to feel despair this is intended right and therefore when you feel isolated when you withdraw when you feel that despair you don't unify with others you don't join with others you feel alone so you never you, you never unite to fight against the problem because that ability to speak about it's been taken away. So they realize they're creating this fragmented, disunified group that cannot ever get together. It's it's like, you know, it's like uh, Eric Blair, George Orwell's Newspeak. You know, you can't even use the terms. It's the ultimate form of communism. And what uh, Aldous Huxley and the whole gang at uh, the CIA were promoting through the 60s counterculture revolution. Yes, so the way to fight this, there are numerous simple ways to fight this, but just know the facts, speak the truth. Right? Be the one that speaks up, make the post, make the comment, look it up. When you feel shame, you're being lied to. When there's a broad stroke, a very vague, broad, broad statements are lies, accept it as that. Just accept broad statements are lies that are on the side of caution there. Right? Broad statements are trying to brush over the details, trying to ignore the facts, the details, the tiny details, look into that. 
when you have amnesia, when you see an example of amnesia, look into it, get the facts, educate yourself. They're trying to deny you critical information. That information will change your mind and it will change someone else's mind. Um, when you speak up, you inspire others to speak up, right? And simply just knowing the facts, the documents are available to you. You can all read this. It's uh, 35 pages long, okay? So identify and name the enemy. Identify and name his strategies, list his arguments and talking points and undermine each one. In the previous episode, we took the Talmud. We identified each of the false arguments. We laid out, this is the argument. This is what actually says in the Talmud. So we were able to identify both the lies and the liars. They lose credibility. And how we see fewer and fewer of those lies posted online now because it's, it's gone out into the general community. And there's more of that coming. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I welcome it, you know. So, so the, one or two small things I'll, I'll touch on, but uh, I've finished that section of the document. Do you have any comments or questions? No, I don't. And what do you think about doing? I did want to ask you if you uh, would like to do a part two just covering this document. I think it's important. Yeah, then we can dive deeper into the specifics of the document. Certainly, if you have another look at it, and we can identify areas and we can expand upon and talk into depth. Yeah. So let me touch on. So, yeah, this is introducing a new idea. So, um, um, I've just written, I don't even remember everything in the document. I'm not as familiar with it because I've been collecting it. But um, notice you have Hizbut Tahrir, okay? Um, Majid Nawaz used to belong to them, and I think so did Anjum Chowdhury at one point. Notice the whole world, whether it is the Islamic countries or non-Islamic countries, are either Dar al-Islam or Dar al-Khar, and there is no third. Either there's the House of Islam or the House of War. This is a major, major group in the UK, Right, and this is how they view the world, the house of war. And if you read through their through their manifestos, they they are, they are making war against the world, political and social change to impose their will. This is the Al Qaeda lone wolf document, lone wolf security documents, where they teach their lone wolf operatives because you have these packs of lone wolves that all seem to have one thing in common. Notice, we thank Allah that He has chosen us in this particular time in history where millions are sitting and neglecting jihad and fighting for the religion. They believe that everyone should be fighting. Now, jihad is, the word here is fighting, right? So they have a document called Safety and Security Guidelines for Lone Wolf Mujahideen and Small Cells. They are infiltrating and they're building and training cells in the States. The, if you look at the Tet Offensive, I think 1972, 73, I can't remember the exact date, North South Vietnam, North Vietnam infiltrated small four or five man cells into South Vietnam and they all, hundreds of them, activated at a given time and they started doing acts of violence, sabotage and so on. Um, this is probably what they intend to do. And um, I'll give you some specifics. Let's go to the ISIS document. As you know, ISIS are Sunni Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Give my sarcasm, okay? Oh. Um, it's just that I, I can't believe the level of stupidity I've got to read in the comments. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> no, not I, but, but, you know, every, read the comments, you know here's but, the thing, though, Lloyd, is don't you know that no matter what the Muslims do, they're never responsible for anything? They're the victim of the do, Jews. I know. And, and, yeah, their books, the fact that they're acting 100% in accordance with, with, what, uh, with what Muhammad did with what Muhammad said, with what Allah said, with what's in their books, 
and none of that matters. Yeah, that's so anyway. So here, tactics. This is the ISIS. <laughs> this is the ISIS document, and they talk of just terror tactics for the subheading of hostage taking. So they want you to the sunnah of inflicting a slaughter upon the kuffar was ordered by Allah, which is a Jewish god. So this, so the sunnah is the way of Muhammad of inflicting or the way of inflicting slaughter upon the kafir was ordered by Allah. And he said, when you meet those who disbelieve, strike their necks, right? And acquisition of fire. So you must take hostages. They say, hold large numbers of the kafir hostage. Okay. So the, the object is to create as much carnage and terror as one possibly can. And the enemies of Allah storm his location and succeed in killing him killing him, right? So in other words, take hostages. So kill, stab, slit throats, chop off heads, flatten them under trucks, burn them alive, and so on, okay? So they want you to take, so they go through this document. The scenario is that one assaulted, busy, public, and enclosed location, rounds up the kafir that are present, gain control over the victims, and then proceed to slaughter as many of them as possible. They even talk about the Bataclan. They talk of low light, use low light venues so that it's harder to see you and to kill you. They talk about acquiring firearms. This is the ideal target locations for hostage scenarios include nightclubs, movie theaters, busy shopping malls, large stores, popular restaurants, concert halls, university campuses, public swimming pools, indoor ice skating rooms, and generally any busy or enclosed area that allows you to take control of the situation, round up the kafir inside, and you can massacre them while using the building as a defense against any responding force. And they mentioned low light conditions. Get your CCW, so, folks. I mean, you should be prepared for anything. Get training, get armed. But the thing is, if we can talk about this, if we can talk to our politicians to take action, if we can drain the swamp, if we can boost the morale of, you know, just, just change the national will, change the national discussion, get this in the open. These people can no longer hide in the shadows like they are. Seeking, so might talking about it. Seeking truth in Christ just made a uh, valid point, and thanks for the super chat. He says, neo-Christianity, notice the word neo-Christianity, yeah. shuns judging right and wrong. That is absolutely correct, and of course... Well, correct. That is a communist thing in that, remember, everyone's equal. But they don't specify how, but everyone's equal. And for you to discriminate, in this case, means to tell the difference between would be to make things unequal. So that, that's a communist imposition on Christianity by altering Christianity according to communist doctrine and corrupting it. Yes. So to discriminate is to make a difference between them. And then, well, everyone's equal, but then everyone can't be, you know, if we make discrimination. Right. I'm going to stop hearing at this point. Um, so, so that was me going doing the five cent version of. So, yeah, any, any comments or thoughts from your side? Because we would rather talk about the issue, get it dealt with on a political level and on a social level before we have to start using large amounts of bullets to deal with it. Correct. You know, the obviously the goal here is to wake people up that there's been a massive bait and switch going on and, uh, People are duped into thinking that this is the religion of peace. And, of course, Lloyd and I have covered what the religion of peace means. It means that after the Islamists have killed or subjugated all of the kafir or non-believers, then the world will be in peace. And so uh, you have to understand that it's not peaceful because they're going around like hippies at the Pentagon, you know, from uh, 
Bernie What's-His-Name spreading flowers and putting them in the uh, Marines' rifles. They are, you know, it's the religion of peace because they force you to either become a Muslim or you are murdered. Yeah, so after the entire world is taken over by Islam, then there will be apparently there'll be peace. But look at the Muslim world right now. They, they don't even like each other. Right. And don't forget Tacitus, the Roman general, I believe, said it many years ago. They've made a desolation and they called it peace. So after everyone's dead. Yeah, so that, that's that's effectively, um, that, that's the introduction to the idea of the ideological warfare and the, the, the Muslim Brotherhood has massive political reach. I mean, they've got massive amounts of money and the OIC needs to be looked at as well. These are things we're all pulling together. Right. The Islamic... So, you know, so uh, somebody's pointing out in the chat that we're trying to absolve uh, their own responsibility for looking at porn for, you know, from the Jews creating it, you know. And, of course, they use these sweeping generalizations. Think about it. it. Hugh Hugh Hefner was Swedish and and German and English. Sorry, go ahead. Prostitution is said to be the oldest profession. Right. So I think it's been around since a little bit before the 20th century. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, what they want to do is like they want to blame the Jews because they can't control their own porn that's habit. An of, that's a talking point. That is not a considered intelligent this point of view. Well, it's, it's complete lack of intelligence and responsibility of right. one's own actions. Right. So think about it. That's a broad stroke. Right. So if the exactly Jews that, create all porn. There's no other races involved in the making and the, you know, shooting of it, etc. Yeah. Right. Think about. It. I mean, that's that's incoherent. This is clearly. Um, you know what's fascinating? I use my real name online, and then you've got Mr. Winterbottom over there. No, well, Mr. I, Winters, he's he's actually cool. Don't worry about him. It's the uh, other one up above. So. Okay, I don't know who, anyway, that's, so, sorry about that. Where, where am I? Uh, Mr. Winters actually donated 37 bucks tonight. And by the way, thanks, oh, wow. everybody. And, you know, put up your super chats if you have any questions. We're just wrapping it up now, so we appreciate, okay, of so course, sorry, any support. It's on my other screen, and it's pretty far away. Um, yeah, so so you've got, so look at broad strokes of lies. So, and they have to use this because the arguments are so weak. Right. The arguments are so weak. I mean, it's easy to destroy the slavery argument, the Crusades argument. It's ridiculously simple now. Once you know, Lloyd, um, we didn't touch on this one. Do you want to hit this now or maybe next time? USS Liberty. Um, you know what? Let's 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 maybe just touch on that later. All right. Um, I'd love to, but um, let's touch on that later and give it a thorough treatment because because. We're going to take another toy away from you. <laughs> you know, you're going to have a bunch of kids, you know, throwing temper tantrums on the wall with their fists banging you know, the floor. You know? I've noticed in my online escapades recently that there's a lot of the old arguments that, that we're using a few weeks ago before we finished our series that are no longer being used. Arguments that are no longer appearing online. I'm finding this. Right. And um, which is interesting to see. And now there's, there's fewer arguments and they have to lean on them harder and shout them louder. But the USS Liberty, they always only say the following, like five words. What about the USS Liberty? What about the USS Liberty? Uh, you, what, about you, what about usury? What about porn? Uh, those, are yeah. the, those are the top three things on yeah, their, on their laundry list. You know, I, all porn is the fault of Jews. 
the USS Liberty, the fall to the Jews, usury, you know, the fall to the Jews, and uh, never mind that there's more money available at, at, you know, here's the interesting thing is if you actually take a loan out, that's how you get the usury, but if you take a loan out and pay it back within a certain amount of time, you get that money for free. You know, so you can use that money and invest it yeah. for free. But I think interest I mean, rates cool are the banking. lowest in history right now. It's called banking. And a lot of people that suffered are people with, with very low financial literacy who were making bad bets. But sure, look, life is, I mean, look, I've done well. Hey, whatever. Um, but look, yeah, so you you always see this very short, what about the USS Liberty? Always that, no detail, no corroborating information. Well, I happened to go and find that information there were 12 inquests into that incident, 12, 12 military inquests. And um, yeah, the answers are not, it's not going to make people happy, okay? The people pushing that argument, enjoy it for the next little while. You, you got a couple weeks left, folks. And then, you know, we're going to take your porno argument away. We're going to take them all away. <laughs> Yeah, and, then, and then you're going to be left, you know, only you're you're going to have to take responsibility for your own porno habit after that. I mean, then what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I know. The Jews made me enjoy myself. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Oh, now we're going to be apologists for it all, you People, know. No, look, I mean, the, the, this hatred directed towards the Jews is is reprehensible and it's not Christian. Right. It's it's um, and these are people that are. It's just wrong. Well, and it's, Jesus says in Luke, what is it, Luke 23, Father, they don't know what they do, please forgive them. So why are people who call themselves Jews unable to forgive the couple true. of hundred Jews that were there? And, of course, all the Jews are to blame. And then, you know, well, when you when, also, hold on, when you think about how they're persecuted for 2,000 years, and then suddenly they fight back, then it's like, whoa, look at what the Jews are doing. They're fighting back. You know, it's like, well, look how you've treated them for— you know, for 2000 years. And is that right. going to bring them to Christ? We need to treat them, you know, we need to lead by example in Christ to bring them to Christ. Correct. No, I agree. I mean, so, so that history, that's another toy that can be taken away from them because of the lies. And these things need to be examined and discussed openly. And I mean, these guys have, remember, they've had message dominance. They've had information dominance for decades now. Well, since the we uh, 1890s, it. essentially, right? Yeah, we've stolen it back. Look at the whole Talmud thing. We've stolen it back, right? They can still lie about it, but that, that argument. Oh, oh, but but Lloyd, you you and I are Jewish Talmudic Mossad agents, and no, I just happened to read the actual book. Oh, but but there's a secret Talmud that they, can, that, that they can't provide, and then one of them today was, uh, well, you have to be a Hebrew expert to read the quotes. And I was like, okay, idiot, where did you get the quotes from that you pretend are there? You know, yeah, they, exactly. they couldn't even lost- they couldn't even understand that they had to, you know, and I was like, so you can't use like Google Translate or Chrome browser that has a translate button at the top to check the, the yeah. translation? No, so those aren't accurate. So, so when I'm quoting stuff out of the Talmud, those aren't accurate translations. Those are the English-friendly ones. Okay, so can you send me the accurate one that you're using? Because I suppose I can tell you're using the same one I am. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes no sense. It's actually ridiculous. Um, no, look, I mean, we're going to be taking the toys away one by one. This is... Um, so, so what they, you know, and so Kigo P says, I agree, but there are some really bad Jews out there. There are some really bad of every group, and each well, one okay, who so does bad, hold that, 
hold that one person responsible for their own actions. You don't use a sweeping generalization fallacy. The Jews are responsible for porn. You know, it's like, you know, my friend Tony, who, you know, became a Christian, he's responsible for porn because of, you know, what's his name? I forget, you know, in, in, in the porn industry. And it's like, you know, come on, you know, you know, uh, uh, Ronnie, Rod, whatever his name is, is in porno. So the, this is the type of logic they use. And then it's like, it's a circumstantial ad hominem attack, the yeah. Jews. So you start well, out with a fallacy and then a sweeping generalization, and then you lack the common sense to go and verify all of the primaries. Well, think, we just know, look, there's 16 million Jews roughly on the entire planet. There's a hundred million members of the Muslim Brotherhood. Right. And They're so <laughs> who should we fear? A hundred million or 16 million? Right. Now think of this. You hear the argument, what about the KKK? Like, what about them? The, the entire U.S. today has less than 5,700 members. Right. Now let's look at the, uh, let's look at one, one of the organizations that belong to the Muslim Brotherhood, ICNA, the, the the Islamic Circle of North America, every year they hold a conference. That conference has 50,000 members every year for two days. That's one, one of the organizations. That organization has membership in the six figures. They have a two-day conference that brings 50,000 plus members. So now you're talking about, this is one Muslim Brotherhood organization. And in there, the reason I use the ICNA is that I've shown this on the screen before in the previous Islamic episode. They teach their, their, their children, their, their teenagers, their little boys and girls, that jihad is fighting against the kafir in the way of Allah, is dying in the way of Allah, killing in the way of Allah. This is in their little Sunday. You know, we have Sunday school. They've got the uh, madrasa. This is what they teach in their manual. I have a copy of it, right? So this is what they teach. So should we worry about that 5,700 that people laugh at, that have no political power, or these or these hundred plus thousand members of just one organization. Hundred plus million, you mean? No, no, no. Ikna, Ikna alone. Oh, is sorry, over. sorry. Okay, I thought you meant the Muslim Brotherhood. Membership the right. right, and the Muslim Brotherhood has a membership in the hundred million, right? Adherents and members. Their membership is about three million, I think. Actual members, about three million. I mean, no one knows exactly, but it's it's high. It's <clears throat> crazy. So All right. we should worry about that. You know, these numbers. I mean, look at these numbers and like, yeah, let's ignore that. Let's ignore the giant in the room. Let's go find the ant. <laughs> and never yeah. mind, they're, they're streaming yeah. in and being flown in and everything else and taking over communities and local uh, city halls and things like that to promote Sharia. And it's all this tiptoe totalitarianism stuff. And yeah. uh, what people don't get is that the Old Testament forms the foundation of western law and if you get rid of that then they have a foundation to bring in chrislam and well, sharia law well think about it they talk about the jews as if the jews are not the old testament and the old testament is, is referenced directly 855 times by the apostles in the new testament and by jesus and indirectly an additional well it totals about 1153 times and most people don't get that Jesus and the apostles were Jews and they're worshiping truth. So, you know, it's like when you say the Jews, are you, you know, are you blaspheming against Jesus and the apostles yeah. as well? So stop and of, think for a second. Yeah, and all the authors of the books of the New Testament were all Jews except for Luke. 
Right, exactly. So, so a lot so to argue, take in and digest there before we use all these fallacious sweeping generalizations yeah. and spout all of this neo-Nazi Islamic, uh, you know, rhetoric. And, you know, it's literally propaganda and people are just so bought into it. And it's like, well, yeah. Jan Irvin flipped because he fact-checked it all and realized that all of the Talmud quotes were bogus. You know, it's like, no, I opened the, the Talmud and I started studying it and verifying it. And it was, you know, these quotes are crap. And who's that, who's that uh, reverend that was spreading that stuff around, that priest, the Catholic guy? You know, the guy Wiles? Did... Oh, no, no. Oh, Carnitis. Right. No. You know, so, and I will get that document done soon. It's just, you know, as I was getting to a point where I was ready to wrap it up, I found like another 50 of these quotes that... Uh, there's no rush. Look, don't do all of them, but there's no rush. But I mean, it's so, it's, it's, it's being looked at. It's being dealt with. We will get there. Um, because look, once we come out and once we publish everything, once we put this all out there, these people won't have a leg to stand on. They're going to look as stupid as they are. They're going to be left to, you know, flying blimps over the San Francisco Bay that say Jews eat babies. You know, that's going to be their, their whole thing. Get brother Nathaniel on your show. He has a unique perspective. He's dead. And, um, he talked a lot of, starts with a B, ends with T. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, uh, so uh, or maybe we should get uh, Heiko Moffman, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe we should. Um, yeah, no one's mentioned him to me in recent time. It's crazy that, that a lot of these arguments have just disappeared. I, I had somebody quote some of his crap to me last week, and I was just like, look, did you verify? You know, and of course it was unsighted. I said, did you verify these passages in the Talmud yourself? And of course they hadn't. You know, it was just clips of uh heichel moffman saying that uh this stuff exists and that's what they believe and they don't even you know which we we explain this and then we'll wrap this up but we explain this early on the difference between third hand second hand and primary citations you know the primary citation is the actual document itself a secondary mm -hmm. citation is someone talking about the document itself and a third-hand citation is someone talking about the person who's talking about the primary documentation. You know, so you get these people who cite, you know, second and third-hand citations. E. Michael Jones only speaks the gospel truth. Heichel, uh, Heichel Moffman only speaks the gospel truth. You know, and by the way, I have his, his books behind me, and I've, you know, gone through a lot of that as well. But you have to verify the sources that they're using on your own all the way to the primary all the way to the end until there's nothing left to fact check yeah, don't 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 just a sec don't cite a second or third hand source and then pretend that you've proved the argument go to the primaries what were you saying you know there's there's others as well peter shaper i mean people mention him and i mean if you read other scholars views of peter shaper he gets brutalized by the scholars because, man, he's stretching. He's really reaching. And and he's also, you know, creating a big attack against Christianity as well there. So, Well, there you go. Yeah, so, so this is, I think people need to think about secret societies. Look, I know we didn't talk about the Illuminati Bigfoot Alliance. I know you wanted us to. But I did speak about an actual organization with real people that actually exists. And we have primary source documents not a secret document that's locked up in Area 51 in a vault. Right. You get thousands and thousands of pages that have been released of this stuff by the FBI that are publicly available to to anyone. So, And that's a real secret society that, that is very, very shadowy and very dangerous. 
All right, Lloyd, thank you so much uh, for your time, and I'm sure you want to get to bed. It's late where you're at, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Th thank you, those who uh, post up Super Chats tonight. Please go to the website, logosmedia.com. Support the show there. You can also get a subscription to uh, the last 11 years' worth of shows up there. Also, please be aware that the primary channel was demonetized, so we greatly appreciate uh you know, uh, any support we can get. Uh, so anyway, logosmedia.com. Uh, if you want to throw Lloyd any support, Lloyd, what is your email address again? Uh, for PayPal, I'll post it. Um, good grief. Aldeon underscore PL at outlook.com. PL for Poland. I'll, I'll post in the... All right. We'll wait for that. And then we'll sign off and say goodnight, everyone. And, uh, Thank you uh, so much. Uh, somebody just found our, I said they found our, our shows on Castaneda with Jay Fikes. Of course, we exposed that whole fraud. L-D-E Young at uh, underscore P-L at Outlook.com if you would like to send uh, Lloyd yeah. donations. And, of course, uh, again, Logosmedia.com. Hit the super chat down there. And also uh, Patreon. We can greatly use the support. Thank you so much, and have a great night, everybody. Thank you, guys. Hope you enjoyed that.